Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Hey guys, welcome back to Missionary Roundtable, the podcast all about the Great Commission, where we let missionaries tell their stories, but also learn a lot about the practical side of missions and take a peek behind the curtain, be a fly on the wall, learn about the things that maybe you don't necessarily know or see every day, and uh, also just learn about how we can all better take part in the Great Commission, partnering together, being senders. Uh, maybe you want to be a missionary someday. You can learn a lot from this podcast, or maybe you're just, uh, you know, you're not going to go to the foreign field, but you're at your church and you love missions and missionaries and want to know how to better pray and support them. This is the place for you. Today, we've got a, another interview with one of my good friends, Eric Brown, who's a missionary in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Uh, Eric is a good friend of mine. We have been in ministry together. We have served together. We have done missions trips together before we were ever missionaries. Um, or pastors for that matter. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with him and I uh, hope you like it. Enjoy. All right, guys. So I am sitting here in Tirana, Albania, talking to Eric Brown, who is a missionary in Northern Ireland, and I am a missionary in Hungary. So there's your context. None of that makes a whole lot of sense, but that's where we're at. And we'll, exp- we'll explain it more a little bit later. But Eric, thanks so much, dude, for taking the time. I know it's been a busy week, and uh, thanks for taking time to sit down and chat. It's good for us to catch up, because it's yeah. been a while. I know, man. I missed you. Yeah, yeah, so man. Th- yeah Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you. <laughs> of course, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Want to talk about you know your story for the people who don't know you, and, and obviously talk about where you're at and what's going on in your family's life. Um, but really, let, let's, just, let's just back up to the beginning. And, and talk about um, who you are and where you came from. So you are from Wildwood Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Michigan, uh, Brett Bartlett's church, for anyone who knows that we're a spinoff of Theology Roundtable. Um, if you don't know that podcast, go listen to it. It's a good podcast. Uh, but Brett Bartlett, co-host of the Theology Roundtable podcast, uh, Eric came from his church, his, his disciple, served as a pastor there. And uh, you, you want to give us a little bit about what it was like? That Yeah, that would be a fun place to start. What was it like? <laughs> Serving, not just serving in a church, in Brett Bartlett's church, but being discipled in ministry, in Bible knowledge, all of that by, by Brett. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, that's for sure. Uh, but I have, you know, people ask quite often, you know, what was it like to work with or for? Because <laughs> he's such a character. Yeah, he's yeah, such a yeah. And Honestly, I, have the, I had the greatest time. Uh, I, had, I had no problems really at all working with or for Brett. We, we had a great time. Uh, you know, we did kind of, we did our own thing, you know, but when we needed to come together and when we needed to, to meet, you know, we were there and mm-hmm. uh, we were, uh, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun and he let me, again, he, he told me, you know, from the very beginning, he was going to keep his, you know, hands and fingers out of my soup and let me do my thing. And I appreciated that. Not micromanage. Yeah, no, yeah, there's, there was no micromanagement again. And uh, I took that and ran with it the best I could. And uh, when he needed uh, my attention or when he needed me to do things, you know, he let me know. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was awesome. I, mm-hmm. I was telling Jeff just last night, we were talking about it and things like that. And uh, I, I learned so much, you know, I studied it. So I was trying to figure out, you know, what am I supposed to be doing as, a, as an assistant pastor? What do, what do I need to focus on? And I studied, I studied Joshua, the life of Joshua, mm-hmm. life of Timothy, 
you know, as they kind of, you know, followed Paul. And, as, a, as a number two guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah as yeah. a number two guy. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I learned a ton of stuff uh, from them. And um, it was, you know, I, I was, I, I tell people, I was discipled through the pulpit mm-hmm. um, by Brett specifically. Sure, sure. You know, obviously I had a disciple, and, and, and but specifically Brett um, through the pulpit, you know, and mm-hmm. through... Bible study. So we do. We did a Bible study, a men's Bible study. We did a, a Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible mm-hmm. study. We did a Thursday night, you know, um, kind of a teaching course and things like that. And like I was there for all of those. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I was preparing. Watch all of, what he d- does. Yeah. Obviously, listen. Obviously, listen. I would print out all of the the verses. So mm-hmm. Brett's handouts were verses. Um, what that he, that he <laughs> right. had for for the topics, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so as I was printing those out, I was, you know, oh, I can kind of see where he's going, and and then again, I would sit and listen, you know. Yeah. And, and I took, I, I still, I still have, uh, not many things made the trip to Ireland with me, but one of the few things it did was I have stacks of handouts and uh, lessons from Brett from his yeah. Sunday morning services from Absolutely. his Tuesday Wednesday. And so it was. You can make your. I, I did this with a couple of books that Jeff taught through back in the day. If you take their notes, good Bible teachers, um, if you take their notes when they're preaching through a book of the Bible, you can bind those together in a binder and you have your own commentary. You do. I mean, you have the Brett Bartlett yeah. or the Jeff Bartell commentary on whatever book. Exactly. And it's, yeah, that's that's a brilliant idea, by the way. Yeah, I, uh, I still have all of those. And I would love to see how many binders I could fill up with uh, yeah. with those things because I still have, I, I, I man, I'm weird. I kept notes from our meetings, you know, mm-hmm. that we would have every, uh, I think it was like every Monday or Tuesday we would meet and talk about just things that he was thinking, planning for the church. Yeah. Um, things that, you know, Small things, behind the scene things that I, I'm going to need and and right. continue to need. Because once know, you now, so. the first time you step behind the curtain of ministry and you have yeah. to learn the administrative pro- things that you don't think about when you're just right. young and want to be a pastor, you know. Right. Um, so when when I say discipleship, a lot of people, if they're in our fellowship, they're going to have a very specific preconceived idea of what that means, and and it's not wrong either. So they're they're thinking. When you're newer to the faith and you sit down with the lessons and you're meeting once a week and and uh, obviously, guys, if you're listening, I, I know that the lessons aren't discipleship, but I'm saying that's what we picture. Sure. Um, but when I say discipled by Brett, I'm talking about when you finish the lessons in that part of your growth, if you want to be a leader, you really, whether you know it or not, you have to be discipled by another leader. And it might not be an intention. Well, not intentional. It is intentional, but it might not be something that is scheduled on the schedule. We're going to sit down once a yeah. week, have dinner, and do this. But it is a Paul Timothy. It is a Joshua Moses where you need to make sure that you are absorbing whatever it is that your leader is, and that's how they're discipling you in leadership. You're watching. It's it's like a kid with their parent. You're watching, seeing, absorbing. And uh, so Brett was the one who kind of taught you the ropes of ministry. Jeff was the one who taught me. And, yeah. you know, so I guess this is, this is a, since they do missionary roundtable, right. you know, this is the, or they do theology roundtable. This is kind of the, yeah. the, 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 the disciple version yeah. of that theology roundtable. Way yeah. less interesting. Way, way less. <laughs> way less, uh, way less uh, entertaining. Stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but what were some, th- you already hinted at a little bit. What were some things that you did intentionally to make sure that you were picking up from him um, how he goes about things in ministry, maybe even how he prepares for a sermon or, or whatever? So one of the things I intentionally did, I, I literally wrote down everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, 
I'm kind of an old soul in the fact that I know you use Evernote. I have, yeah, yeah. I use the, you know, I love a good, you know, Moleskine notebook that I, yeah. And you can't pronounce it Moleskine. It's a Moleskine, by the way. So I didn't, did I didn't you know, know either of those words. Yeah, so, so there you go. Does that mean leather? It's my, I have no idea what it means, but it's my, it's my favorite notebook. <laughs> so, so hipster. So, I know, right? Um, so well, anyway, you're a pen guy too. I'm not trying know, to get you no, off, but you like huge. a good pen too. I love a good pen. If you don't have a good pen, by the way, my dad taught me this. You need a good, every good man needs a good pen. So anyway, I would write down everything. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. What's a good pen? What's a good pen? Uh, I like a good Parker pen. Um, Is this, um, it's a brand. It's a brand. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the Parker pens are great. Um, I'm trying to... The, I assume uh, they're refill. I've never yeah, owned so a you, pen that's refilled. Yeah, but, no, uh, you can get the refills for them. Um, the G2s are, are classics, you know, the, the classic G2. But the Pilot? Yeah, the Pilot G2. Okay, yeah. Zero, zero five. Pilot's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 0.5 millimeter, not the 0.7 or the point or the one. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're just a noob. If you're, you're a total yeah. noob. <laughs> so, anyway, get yourself a good pen and a good notebook and uh-huh. plan to write things. I, I just, I literally wrote down everything that, that Brett was telling nice. me. Nice. I remember I pulled out a notebook one time and he was just talking about something and he goes, what in the world are you doing, dude? I was like, I'm writing this down. He goes, you're crazy. Like, you're like, yeah, you're crazy. I said, trust me, dude. Like, I need to write this down. Mm-hmm. I for, I forget things easily. You know, same. And so, yeah. Same. I, I want to reference it later. Yeah. Yeah. And so I still have. I uh, I had a very specific, you know, notebook, and and I I found a better one than than the moleskin or whatever, and uh, I could, you know, I, I learned a system where I could remove all of the pages and and keep track of all of those. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Anytime he had like. Whether it was business of the church, whether it was mm-hmm. spiritual things that, that he was discussing or whatever, and I tell people th- what I, I would go back through those, and Brett taught me to think like a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it even when I didn't realize uh, what was going on, and and a lot of times I think people people see, see decisions made um, in the church, and they can tend to think like. Why would why would he say that? Why would he respond that Armchair way? Armchair quarterback yeah. kind of thing. Why yeah. would he react that way or sure. whatever? And and what I learned is um, I don't I don't know if it's this way with everyone. I can only speak for 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 Brett and Wildwood, but there is a reason behind the decisions that are made. The the past oh, of course the pastor course. isn't he Brett taught me how to pray like a mm-hmm. pastor prays. You know he mm-hmm. he has his his methods and and I you know I. I took that and I, I made it my own and mm-hmm. there are reasons for the decisions that are made um, as, a, as a member of a church, uh, especially Wildwood. Again, I can only speak for Wildwood, but I promise you, your, your pastor is first of all praying for you and, and there is a reason that he is preaching the things that he's preaching, right? Mm-hmm. The, that he is talking about the things that he's talking about and uh, doing the things that he does. And I learned uh, you always have to think like a pastor, you know, mm-hmm. when you are, you know, when you're doing things, when you're praying, when you're reading your Bible, mm-hmm. keep that keep that in mind. And he, mm-hmm. you know, that was one thing that eventually I, I didn't start out that way. I will, I will, sure. I will say, but eventually until I learned, it's modeled for you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. learned to be intentional about how I thought about making decisions yeah. for my family, for the church, and now again, like I'm starting to realize very soon. You know, I'm going to have a congregation, hopefully of of my own, as mm-hmm. I plan a church and and start, you know, from scratch and. Uh, you know what to yeah. do because you watched it modeled for you. Yeah, and it, and it was modeled in a beautiful mm-hmm. way. Um, and there are so. things that like you pick up without trying to. Like, so my my pastor, my childhood um, before maybe until I was like seventeen, I was almost done with high school. Was Mark Trotter, and so I was when I was a teenager, maybe sixteen. I knew I wanted to be a pastor someday, but I didn't know what that meant. So I wasn't doing anything intentionally. 
But like all growing up, I wasn't doing anything intentionally for ministry, but you pick up a lot just watching men like that, Frank Perdue and Mark Trotter in your life. But then my pastor for my adult years, 17 and beyond, was Jeff Bartell. And when I knew I wanted to be a pastor and was starting to do some classes and stuff, then there are some things that you'll pick up just being there and being a sponge. But there are some things you have to do to be intentional if you want to learn things that you don't see unless you peek behind the curtain. And so like, you know, what one thing I always tell kids if they want to be in the ministry or whatever is you have to be a sponge and you have to make yourself available. Anytime the pastor's hanging out, like you're not being annoying, but it's like, oh, there's a hang there's a missionary going over to your house. Can I come? Yeah. Can I be there? Like, well, I was only inviting these guys, but sure. Or, or the pastor recognizes that, like, you want to be a fly on the wall for these conversations. It's half the reason why I do these podcasts. Like, just if you are interested behind the scenes, be a fly on the wall and listen to these conversations. Yeah. So is there anything that you um, – well, I mean, we just talked about, like, what, what did you do to learn? But, like, was there anything that you learned in, intention, by, in by intentionally putting yourself out there and you were writing things down that you wouldn't have learned any other way? Like just, you know, you can't passively pick this up. It was like you being intentional. Is there anything that comes to mind that you learned from Brett in ministry or Bible or personal? Yeah, I would say, I would say there were a couple, there were a couple of things. It's uh, first, the first one I learned was, I guess, um, how the pastor deals with his family, how the pastor mm. leads, uh, leads his family. So again, I was always, not always, but I was at the Bartlett house a lot. Sure. And uh, his relationship with his wife and with his children mm. was something was something special, right? Because I think a lot of times men in ministry specifically get so bogged down with ministry yeah. stuff, and they're it's six, easy. Yeah, it's easy. It's sixteen hours a day, you know. Eight, you know, uh, during the middle of the night, you get a phone call and whatnot. But I, I mean, Brett was purposeful in how mm. he spent time with his family and and how he went about. Like, you know, I got some behind the scenes stuff and how they do their family devotions. Mm. Um, and him investing the yeah, Bible in yeah. his family. He was, yeah. he's always discipling his kids, his wife. Mm. It's, it was incredible. And um, I, again, I think it's something that if I was not like purposely, you know, kind of looking for, for those types of things, I would say how he dealt with his, with his family mm. on a daily basis. I, I didn't see everything. And again, but I was there quite often and I just got to see and his I know his. I, I became close with with his kids, yeah, obviously, yeah. and and his kids love him to death, and like they mm -hmm. they have just such a cool relationship, yeah, you know. Um, and so that was that was awesome to see, and then also just how to deal with people in general, mm -hmm. right? So he, man, he took me in, you know, behind the curtain of some tough situations, and mm -hmm. and you know, funerals and hospital visits, all mm -hmm. of those things that the pastor does, yeah. That again, uh, most people don't don't get to see mm -hmm. and how he was able to, to deal with those because there are times when physically you have no words for people, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how he presented scripture in, in a way uh, to people that the only thing you could say at that moment was was scripture. You had to let the Bible talk for you, for instance, right? Yeah. And how he was able to, to console people and, mm -hmm. and be there uh, for him was incredible. And it, also, for about a year and a half uh, of the time that I was uh, the assistant pastor, was uh, him dealing with with Connor, you know, and yeah, uh, that's and, right. and Connor had, yeah. if you don't know, his his teenage son had cancer yeah. that that looked like was going to end uh, 
not with him surviving. Like by all, yeah. you know, by all data and metrics, he probably shouldn't have. It was. Uh, it, it wasn't yeah. one of those things where it was like a all cancer serious, but some cancer is more you know right. treatable. This one didn't look that way. Absolutely not. Yeah, and it was. Uh, man, it was a rough time. The more the more I think about it, you know, the the closer I get to tears because you know, um, I remember the first time walking into that hospital um, mm. and seeing seeing Kim and Brett. And, you know, you, you're used to seeing your pastor, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Sunday mornings, even, you sure. know, when, you know, gathering with the when fellowship and, and, uh, but not vulnerable. But, yeah. Like not that. at their darkest time yeah. physically, you know, and, uh, it was rough, mm. but the way that they handled that was, uh, was incredible. Uh, it meant the world to me. And I know it meant the world to a lot of people to see how, uh, see how God leads and directs even literally, uh, and, and Brett will tell you this at at the deepest, darkest yeah. moments of his life. And so mm. uh, those are just, I guess, some quick things. How to, how to deal with family. No, um, dude, that and, was great. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're listening, this isn't, like, obviously, Brett is, is uh, Eric's mentor and pastor, good friend of mine, my mentor and pastor's one of his best friends. So it's like, you know, we do things super highly of him. But it, it wasn't just like a commercial for, like, no. Brett Bartlett necessarily. What I want you guys to see if you're listening and you're the young guy who really wants to serve in ministry, that's what you need to do with your pastor. Mm-hmm. You need to intentionally spend time with him. And even if it's not like a handshake deal, like I'm going to mentor you to be a pastor, just do whatever you can to spend time with them and watch them and observe and take notes and learn how to be a pastor. Um, that's good stuff, dude. Yeah. So let's let's move on then and talk about how so you're doing all that you were, you were, you were actually you know went through discipleship material mm-hmm. discipled in leadership by Brett served as an assistant pastor at the church how do you go from there and and you know you don't have to give every detail but how do you go from there to then um, deciding that your family is going to move to Northern Ireland as missionaries Yeah I always uh, I kind of have to start I guess probably about ten years prior mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I to now yeah to now okay. ten years prior to now mm-hmm. I, I grew up. I, I grew up in a Christian home. I was mm-hmm. saved at saved at an early age, but I I tell people I did not did did not live the Christian life. Cincinnati w- area, right? Uh, or, yeah, Zanesville, Ohio. Zanesville. Yeah, 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 shout okay, out Zanesville, right. Ohio. That's right. Um, I was gonna say shout out Cincinnati Reds, but ooh, it's yeah, I don't want to shout them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them out. Hey, I get it, man. The Indians, yeah. they ain't even the Indians anymore. Yeah. So no worries. <laughs> they did they did throw a no hitter, but they also then proceeded oh, to lose the game. They lost the game. And they yeah, the, yeah. So. Is it like the first time in history of the world? I think it was the fifth time that that's happened, but <laughs> the first time in a long time. Yeah. So don't get me started. I can, no. <laughs> yeah, I can ramble on and on. But I, I grew up in Zanesville, Ohio, about actually a couple hours from Cincinnati. But yeah, yeah. huge Reds fan, by the way. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I, I, I did not really truly see any real spiritual growth. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my. My own, my own fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own lack of of Bible uh, reading. My Bible. Mm-hmm. So for the intentionality, yes, yeah, intentionality. Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, for the longest time, I, I did not, you know, truly invest in God's word. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I moved, I, I married my wife, and mm-hmm. my wife is from Lacey's from Brett's church, mm-hmm. which and, would uh, be a couple hour drive up the, the highway yeah, for you. Yeah, north on twenty three for about three three hour. hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so not far really from uh, from where I'm. Southern um, Ohio to yeah. Southern Michigan. Yeah. yeah. So not far, but you know, 
I worked for her dad for a summer, the summer before we got married, and I started going to Wildwood because Lacey could not stop talking about her church and, <laughs> and how much she'd grown and about her pastor and her friends there. Yeah, yeah. And again, that just wasn't wasn't my experience. Were you all married teenager. at that point or we, just dating? It was like a year before. Okay. My first experience with Wildwood. Uh-huh. So I was there and Brett was uh, speaking through Galatians. I still remember it. Uh, learned quite a bit and we started... During that time, and again, I had to go for one more year of college, but I would mm-hmm. I eventually... What, you went to Pensacola? Pensacola Christian, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's where I met Lacey and stuff. And mm. then uh, we got married, and I moved up there mm-hmm. uh, and started attending church, and we started uh, Spurgeon Society is what it was called back then. I, where, I remember yeah, that. <laughs> I still have my notebooks. Speaking it's, of writing It's actually kind of awesome. It's Brett really, likes uh, naming things. Yeah, that's like one thing. He, that, loves, like, he it, yeah. loves naming things. So Spurgeon Society, and it was just a group of guys on Sunday nights that got together, mm-hmm. and... Uh, we, he would teach us the Bible. Nice. Uh, we went through manuscript evidence is what mm-hmm. we would call it now. And uh, just all kinds of keys of Bible study, qualities of a godly man, all of those Bro, I of things. learned manuscript evidence. I always tell people this because I love it. It's a good story. When we were, before LFBI was what it is today, and Jeff was trying to do some sort of institute at our church, he one of the first classes he did, he, we didn't really know Brett yet. I had met him before. And he invited him down to do manuscript evidence in our barn. Oh, yeah, wow. And it yeah. was a weekend intensive where we basically did two and a half days, like eight or ten hours, two of the days, and then like a half day. Right. And then he only got halfway through his notes, so he had to come back down and do it all again like a month oh, later. Man, yeah. But I do, I learned manuscript evidence from your pastor in a barn at First Baptist Church, yeah. New Philly, Ohio. <laughs> I, lear- I learned it in uh, in his living room yeah. um, on Samaria Road, and that's where I originally learned it. That's and- what I think of seminaries, by the way. Yeah, yeah, in a barn, yeah. <laughs> Forget, so, Forget I, it. So through that, through that process, basically what happened was I fell in love with God's Word, mm-hmm. right? And I... I truly started reading it and understanding it, studying it for myself for the first time in my entire life. And mm-hmm. my, I, I say from that, my life really started to change. And mm-hmm. so, and I think Mark Trotter talked about this, where when uh, you fall in love with God's word and you fall in love with God and yeah. then you fall in love with what God loves, right? Amen. And that's that's really, in a nutshell, the process of what happened. So I... Mm. Uh, I fell in love with God's word and, and Brett started giving me some responsibilities in the youth group for a while. I, I, I did, remember yeah, that. I did yeah, the yeah. youth group. And then uh, after, I think, three or four years of that, uh, he asked me to be the assistant pastor, come on full time. Mm-hmm. And then I, I started teaching the college and career class. Mm-hmm. And uh, just ser- like I, I would literally serve and do my, what was your job description? Uh, I, I didn't call myself the assistant pastor. I was the assistant to the pastor, right? It was the Dwight Schrute of, uh, <laughs> of Wildwood. So Love I literally that. did whatever Brett needed, needed sure, done. Sure. Straight, straighten chairs, mm-hmm. plan events. Um, Which is a great then. job for someone who wants to be a pastor. Right, whatever yeah. you call the title, inter- ministry intern, assistant pastor, whatever it is. Yeah. Just do everything. That's that's what Learn I did. Learn everything. Yeah, yeah. I did pretty much every ministry from the kids to the. We had a juvenile detention center ministry mm-hmm. that we did, and uh, what happened was like I, I I wound up serving with just about everybody in the body, and I wound up leading missions trips. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so we've been, what, four or five times oh, at Hungry together? Right, right, of course. Yeah, I spent time... Uh, the first time uh, I met you, I think, was in Hungry, Yeah, actually. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been to, uh, man, uh, where have I been? I've been uh, with Craig Warner. Uh, yeah. To the Nam- uh, Nam- Bay tribes in New Mexico. New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been to India, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and basically, all throughout the past, like, 10 years, uh, I'll be honest, like, the next natural step in ministry has always simply just presented Present, itself, yeah. right? And so I Because you were faithful with yeah. whatever God presented you right. at the time, yeah. Yeah, when I didn't know what to do, I just did what I knew to do, which was read my <laughs> Bible, 
serve my pastor and my my yeah. congregation and whatever. Let me repeat that for you guys listening. If you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Yeah. I mean, I know you didn't mean that that to sound profound, but but it really is. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're young and restless and you want to move up in ministry, you're like, what do I do next? What do I do next? Do whatever God has for you to do right now. Whatever. Yeah. Do what you know to do. That, that was good, dude. Yeah. And then and that led that honestly that process led us to where we are now. So mm-hmm. about. I would say about three to four years ago, uh, my wife and I originally started discussing the possibility of being missionaries, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe a little bit less than that, maybe two and a half, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And we started just casually talking about it and casually praying about it. Now, were you thinking international missions or just like church plant in general? Yeah, just what... Just go start something new. Church plant in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about a downtown Toledo ministry. Mm-hmm. We talked about the possibility of... Um, international missions we didn't know and so again a very casual conversation yeah. however we went out to lunch one day with 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 Brett and his wife and uh, at a Chinese restaurant and I went to the restroom mm-hmm. I was only in there two or three minutes and I come out and Lacey had revealed that we'd been praying about it to Brett and we'd been talking about it just casually mm-hmm. and he, Brett proceeds to then pull is out this, a, the napkin this is the napkin story he pulled out a, a napkin and kind of wrote out what he had been in his mind thinking he, about. yeah thinking about planning hadn't, without even yeah hadn't told anyone yeah, yeah hadn't communicated it yet and um he asked us basically you know over the course of a wound up being a two hour or so mm-hmm. conversation would you be interested in in my vision uh and what i want to do mm-hmm. and uh let us pray about it obviously and so we took probably three to four months then to so this was your pastor's vision for what wildwood yeah would do international to reach the nations. Yes, yeah and so he was dreaming about this, praying about this, and then you say you're interested, and he's like, well, hey, this is the vision yeah. that I, I feel like I have from God. Right. Would you be interested in being that vessel? Yes. Very cool. Exactly. Very cool. And so now we started to intentionally pray about it mm-hmm. and have intentional conversations pretty much every day with, with my wife and I and, and our separate prayer lives, prayer lives together. Mm-hmm. And it took us, again, about three to four months. And I think what happened was we, we knew mm-hmm. it's, what, it's what we were supposed to do. We just needed... To make sure, right? We yeah, just needed. Yeah. We just needed to make sure, not necessarily the if, but the where. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we told. Basically, what we did was we told uh, Brett, um, wherever Wildwood wants to send us, we'll go. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Praise when, God. yeah. So that's when he 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 revealed to us, um, you know, he wanted to start something with the Celtic Isles, and that mm-hmm. would begin. Originally, we were were looking at Dublin, Ireland, and mm-hmm. now. Um, Again, through the course of different events, we wound up in Belfast, mm-hmm. and uh, we took about a year and a half or so after that to uh, continue to pray. We we do ministry in teams, uh, so we were looking for a Timothy, and mm-hmm. and uh, we started raising some support and uh, preparing uh, to move. So let me ask you something um, because I want to talk about update of how you're doing because it was you moved there about this time last year, right? We've this been there spring? Al- exactly uh, exactly a year almost. So May sixteenth of nice. last year. Okay, yeah, awesome. So, yeah. Um, So I want to get updates on how you're doing first year on the field. But I also want to say, because I think that's really cool, dude. You don't hear that a whole lot. Do you think that sometimes we, and we'll just speak of our Baptist circles. We won't speak for every denomination who sends missionaries. Do you think sometimes we get a little too mystical and magical and really looking for God to shine a light through our window on a map to show us the where when like, God seems to be a fairly logical God and he'll, you know, I I love that how you were just willing. I always tell people, if you want to be used by God, you just need to be willing and available. Right. And, 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 And he'll take you places. But like you were just willing and available to do whatever God was doing through your church. Yeah. And wherever that may be, Mark Trotter used to say whatever, whenever, wherever. 
it it's just being all in. Yeah, it, that's all it is. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the local New Testament church uh, played a gigantic role in getting us to the mission field. Yeah. Uh, we served at our church. We did ministry with our church. You didn't go to college and sign up for YWAM. No, then, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if anything, the, the Bible college that I went to put me off of uh, ministry. Uh. I, only, I only desired to serve and follow God when I actually attended a local church that pushed me to do so. And um, that taught me Amen. the Bible, actually taught me the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, man, that's what I learned at my church. I didn't learn... Yeah. A, I didn't learn about the Bible. I didn't mm-hmm. learn, you know, Christian ministry. I learned the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they taught me and the from Bible. there. Yes, everything else springs. Everything yeah. flowed from that, and mm-hmm. we get it so backwards. Yeah, uh, Baptist yeah. culture, I think, gets it backwards all the time. Well, we're gonna farm out um, our training to whatever Christian college is out there, and because it's work, it's like, hard. The reason, <laughs> yeah, I mean. If you knew a pastor's schedule, mm. right? You pick a pastor in the Living Faith, probably yeah. for instance. Um, they're they're crammed because they're not farming out, you know, training of young men. They are doing it with yeah. their leadership and their church and themselves. As they, mm-hmm. I was talking to Jeff, and he's studying the Bible nonstop. Mm-hmm. And Brett does the same thing. I mm-hmm. promise you. And you know, every and pastor also that investing we, his personal time in life exactly. and life leaders. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, man. I'm telling you, that's why they're so busy. That's mm-hmm. why you know. They're running from here to there because they're investing in you. If you will just, if you'll just let them do it, yeah. Right. If you'll just get out of your own way, they're for you yeah. guys. Your pastor is yeah. for you. They he's care for your soul. You. If he pulls the reins on you, it's not because he's against you right. setting the world ablaze for the Lord. It's because you're not ready and you need to be ch- slowed right. down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like I, I tell people, like just follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul says, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Find somebody. Your pastor, mm-hmm. okay, hint, hint. Ideally. Yeah, <laughs> ideally, right, that you can follow as they follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I know I've said this kind of already, but that's all That's all I did. There was mm-hmm. no There was no secret recipe. There was no <laughs> magical lightning bolt from God that yeah, said, amen. you're going to be in Belfast. No, it was a It was a process, but it, it, but it was done And then over the years, and, so God speaks to us through his word, the Holy Spirit, and the local church. Mm-hmm. But then... It, as you're listening for that and praying and seeking him, he'll also use circumstances to confirm for sure the, those things. And so if you if it's not a snap decision where you overnight decide we're going to, you know, what you know, insert country here, then those confirmations make you more sure. Yeah. That and then when you get there and it's hard and it will be, me and Eric are both uh can we say COVID missionaries? Yeah. Went to the field during a pandemic. Yeah. Stinking hard. Yeah. When it gets hard. You won't have second guesses about whether you should be there. Right. You will have second guesses about what, why you did this to your family. <laughs> but you, you won't second guess why you're there because God just spent the last six to ten years confirming the, mm-hmm. the path. And right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy process, mm-hmm. crazy time. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Uh, looking back on Same. some of those, I, things, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily write it up as the prescription for how to get to the field. Right. Um, or make it a template. Let's right. say that. But yeah, same. Right. I, I wouldn't trade it. Sure. Yeah. Because do, God, God teaches you through those things too, absolutely. and prepares you for whatever He's sending you yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're like it's a memorial for you, right? You yeah. Like pile, this, of yeah pile of rocks. Pile of rocks for you to look back on uh, when you cross the Jordan. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah. I, I and I also understand that there are there are missionaries. There are people that have gone through a lot worse, right? Oh, that, of, of yeah. That, man. My and, favorite uh, yeah. quote from Jeff is not all mission fields are created yes. equal. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in Europe. Sure. It, our, my brothers who serve in Africa, God bless you. I right. love you guys. 
it ain't the same. Right. The, the hard stuff I go through is not the same stuff. That For they go sure, through. one I 100% agree with that. Yeah, so yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah. Fun. So now you've been on the field about a year. Well, it was about a year ago that you left. You, yes, it's, yeah. it's been interesting for you guys. Why don't yeah, you go, yeah. go a little bit through uh, some of that story, what your first year on the field has been like right. and leading up to where you're at now, okay. some of the prospects and what, yeah. what God's doing. Yeah, so um, so again, we originally wanted to go, uh, we felt God leading us, I guess I should say, to Dublin. And we took a, a survey trip there mm-hmm. uh, in March uh, when literally uh, Europe, you know, was banned. Oh, from I remember travel. that. Yeah, March we were 20, in, because you guys were having a hard time getting back. Yeah, we were in Dublin when <laughs> when uh, you know Trump shut down travel from. Yes. Europe. So we got out the day before uh, you can no longer fly. Wow. Um, and that was a whole experience. That trip was 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 nuts for a lot of different reasons. Um, but basically, we learned a lot on that trip about Dublin itself. And so mm-hmm. um, Dublin is one of the most expensive cities to live in in Europe. There's really? A, yeah, I didn't know that. It's, it's crazy expensive. They are. The cost of living is ridiculous. They're going through a housing crisis, so rent is astronomical. Uh, and then during COVID, they were one of the strictest European countries on traveling to them. Uh, so for the longest time, yeah, and you could not get in. They would, uh, under military guard, bus you if you were to travel there. They would bus you to a specific hotel that you had to stay to for... Um, I think it was 14 days. Like Australia, yeah, that was you, pretty yeah. famous. They were doing that. Yeah, there. you could mm-hmm. not leave the room. Um, yeah, so basically through that and a lot of other different things, uh, we felt God moving us to explore uh, north mm-hmm. of there. And we, Whatever you got to do to get there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, what, we, what we were going to do is... is uh, go to go to Belfast. It was much more open. Okay. Uh, they you know when we got there, like uh, lit- physically, open physically open. Travel. Yes, yeah, physically yeah. open for travel. And uh, so when we got there, they were kind of just coming out of a lot of their lockdowns and restrictions, <laughs> right? So there were still quite a few things that we had to kind of get through COVID wise. But we got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got there again about a year ago, and we uh, we had an Airbnb for three months. That's, <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, yeah, we had never visited Belfast. We'd never been there before. Mm-hmm. We did not know a soul in the country when we got. Because you there. went to. Yeah, Dublin. Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, and for those of explain really yeah. quick for for the Americans, he explained this to me before we started recording. Northern Ireland and Ireland are two different countries. Two different countries. Uh, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, they call it the South, where where I live. They uh, they are part of the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, which is its own. Obviously, after Brexit, it's its own conglomerates. You know, yeah, you know, they uh, mm-hmm. they use different currency. They have different... and Belfast is in which Belfast is in Northern Ireland. Northern it's the Ireland. capital of Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. It's its own which country. Which is in the EU. It's, That's what you just said. It's in the UK. In the so, okay. yes, I got that backwards. Okay. Yeah. So it's part of uh, Scotland, Wales, and England, gotcha. and Northern Ireland make up the gotcha. United Kingdom. So they operate a little bit differently, obviously, than than the sure. South does. Um, and so, yeah, we got there again. We didn't know anybody. We didn't really... We were looking for a place to start ministry. Mm-hmm. So we found... Uh, it's called the Ormo Road. As we, we had about a month and a half to two months to kind of do some quick research. Okay. Because all of our <laughs> research up until that was time... Was Dublin. Yeah, it was Dublin. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we found a, a place about 10, 15-minute walk from the city center mm-hmm. uh, called the Ormo Road. And we found an Airbnb off the Ormo Road. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to do a 10 days quarantine. But what we wanted to do when we got there was we took that 10 days to to really do some intensive research because we had to find 
uh, place to do ministry, what we thought mm-hmm. God was going to you know, start working in. We had to find a place to live uh, permanently, and we had to find a place, a way to stay. Those were our three mm-hmm. main goals for that first th- three to six month period. Yeah. And so uh, we found a place where we felt like God, God could, could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do ministry. It was a, it's a, one of the busiest, busier, straight, busier cities in the streets in the city. Sorry, mm-hmm. and so uh, tons of traffic coming up and down. There's coffee shops. There's a bunch of things to do. Restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, grocery stores, all up along there. And so we just started. Uh, once the quarantine period was over, we we did a bunch of research during that time where we found things to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So we wanted to, people were starting to get out a little bit more. Yeah. Right after took a minute. Yeah. yeah. Right after COVID. And so things were starting to open. Um, to open up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we started going to the coffee shop. I found a coffee shop nice. every day. Nice. Lacey found a coffee shop that she would go to. Mm-hmm. And then we started, we, we got on uh, apps um, mm-hmm. and we found some different groups that nice. suited. Uh, we wanted to meet a large group of people. So mm-hmm. the way we do evangelism, as a lot of people have heard, is we, we net fish and we fly fish, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we started net fishing. Sure. And Lacey found what are called mum and tot groups. Where Lacey would meet a bunch of moms with, with mm-hmm. toddlers that with were the mums, the mums, yes, yeah, M U M, by the way, <laughs> yeah, the mum and tots, and so she started hanging nice. out with, with ladies her age with toddlers, similar. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I started make some friends for yes, your boy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and and you have we try to make a physical neck physical connection first, sure. right? Sure. Uh, that's what Christ does with the woman at the well with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Go to where so, they're at. Yes, meet exactly. Where at. I started in a football group. Nice. Um, and I started meeting guys there, which started, is soccer, guys. soccer. Yeah. yeah. Proper football yeah. is what I, ha- <laughs> is what I have to call it. So, uh, I started a proper football group. I started, uh, at a gym, just mm-hmm. meeting people. Nice. And, um, so yeah, we started making relationships probably literally day 11, maybe nice. even day 10. Awesome. I'm not going to tell anybody that, but yeah. So, um, you know, after we got out of our uh, restrictions and lockdown, we started making relationships mm-hmm. just, just by going out. One of the just first, by making friends. Yeah. Just yeah. by being you know, kind of, you know, normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we met a lady on the bus mm-hmm. and started talking to her and she started talking to Jack. And again, long story short, um, she heard our story. She's a journalist. She did a, a write up on our family oh, and, and the newspaper. Yeah. No way. So yeah, we had, we posted so you about outed it. outed yourself? Yeah. Like, did they, well, you were <laughs> we were wise as serpents, harmless uh, as a dove. Of course. Uh, of course. In our, in our, you're not uh, really secret agents, but no. you're also not trying to like... Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Spoil everything. Yeah, that was, a, that was a really cool thing that happened to us and cool story right away. And then, oh, so I also had to find a place to work. Uh, or a, a way so that, to stay. That was the big yeah, thing. That was the, the big you thing. guys went visa. on a tourist visa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you get six months in the country on a tourist visa. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had to find that's a place. A, that's actually pretty long. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So like Hungary, yeah. well, pre-COVID was like 90 days. Yeah. Dublin, I think, is 90 days. Mm-hmm. So UK gives you six months. Nice, nice. And so... Um, I was trying to meet some people. And, so you uh, you have a timer when you arrive. Yeah. Not only are you trying to get your family settled, but you've got a you've got yeah. a six month countdown. Yeah. You got to find a way to stay. Yeah. And yeah. the clock was ticking. Mm-hmm. Uh. And and yeah, it, it seemed to tick a lot faster, um, <laughs> very quickly. So, uh, long story short, I uh, you know, was at the beach one day. I told you the story just yeah, just yeah. a while ago before we started here. But I was at the beach one day mm-hmm. and I wanted a coffee. We were hanging out with the family. Um, How long had you had been there at that point? Do you know, I'd been there about three months, I would say. It's about halfway. Yeah, about okay. halfway. Mm-hmm. And um, so we uh, were at the beach with a family that we knew, and uh, I, I just wanted a coffee at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So um, we went down the coast just a little ways to a, a place called Donegadee. 
And uh, there was a coffee shop right on the corner, and I just walked in. It was an hour past the guy who was supposed to be open, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a Boston Red Sox hat on. So I started just chatting with him, yeah. just trying to be friendly again. Uh, gave me a nice coffee, and we talked for about, I would say, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he wound up offering me a job, but I told him, I said, I would love to, man, but there are actually some pretty serious limitations. But And I'll, you had done your research, because yeah, yeah. you, you couldn't let anyone hire right. you in order to be... Because if you guys don't know, when you're a visa to a country, you have to be invited somehow. Yes. Whether you're the spouse of a citizen or your employer, like yes. you have to be legally invited. Right. And so, you know, if, if it's a small mom and pop shop, they might not have the right. ability to exactly. legally invite you. Exactly. And that's, that's so you were like being honest with the guy. Yeah. Like, listen, man, this you might not actually want to get into right. all this. One hundred percent. Like I just I just told him flat out what he had to do mm-hmm. uh, eventually. So I guess I should say like I got his contact information. Yeah. And I kept in contact with him, and I, uh, I had to. It was about a forty-minute drive from where I lived. But you didn't so. get like super excited at the beginning because you're thinking yeah. like, eh, yeah, it's probably like I started praying immediately. Sure. But I, but you know, it was just another. At that time, it was uh, kind of another you know Potential. item in a long list of things that hadn't worked out or gotcha. had a long shot of working mm-hmm. out. So I went home and, and started praying about it, mm-hmm. and uh, continued to pray about it, continued to stay in contact with the guy. And through the course of meeting with him over, the, you know, probably another few weeks, we um, were able to to discuss him sponsoring us. Yeah. Right. So that process takes some time. You sure. know, his business has to register with the home office, and then you know he has to be able to uh, hmm. give me a certificate that I need and actually hire me. Yeah, and then I had to go back. Yeah, yeah. I would have to go back home for a few months and actually. Get yeah, because you needed to be in America yeah, for a bit. You have to. So you send in all your documentation, your sponsorship with your passport. So you have to be hmm. back home from like the embassy. Yeah, it's uh, so you send it. We sent it to like a immigration office in Detroit is where yeah. we sent it yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, so. It's a, it's a long story um, of a lot of hard work and a lot of mm-hmm. prayer and a lot of you know trusting uh, God. trusting God <laughs> to work because what I found out afterwards so this all happened in about from start to finish it was about a five month process. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to find out, this normally takes anywhere from twelve months to eighteen months uh, mm-hmm. to get what Damn. I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's normally what it takes. So we had six months on our tourist visa. Um, and so we had to come home in November. Okay. Right. And so by that time, that of 2020, of 2021, 21, 2020, November, 2021. So by mm-hmm. that time, um, you know, I had most of the documentation that I needed mm-hmm. from my sponsor. And then, uh, he gave me one final piece in about, um, December, early December of 2021, we submitted all of our documents, mm-hmm. uh, to the, um, to the American government that, that they needed. Um, we set up an interview for mm-hmm. biometric stuff. Yeah, we're able to go and do that, and then when they have to send all of that stuff to uh, to the embassy, I think is where they send mm-hmm. it. Um, and from there, it can take a long time. Mm-hmm. We got a response um, thanks to you know we had some had some help, uh, I believe, and uh, you know it took us about a week to get a response. Um, wow, very very quick. And so we were able to get back. Uh, we had, so when we, when we came back to America, we booked a ticket for two months. Wait, you booked round trip tickets? Yeah. <laughs> we okay. round trip I assumed tickets. you would pick one nope. way tickets and no. then, wow. We're all in. And, uh, <laughs> so we booked round trip tickets. So and, eight weeks. Uh, 
Yeah, so when we got my documentation back, or when we got the answer back uh-huh. uh, that our visas had been approved, we had about five days left uh, wow. before our flights back. Wow. I, the timing couldn't have, uh, couldn't have been more so perfect. You, so could you have went back on another tourist visa? Were you back in the States long enough to... Because you, you yeah, can't just yeah. like leave for a day right, in most right. countries and come back yeah. and get another six months. You could have. Uh, okay. that, that was plan B. But, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but we've... We had, okay, so after those six months, we had already started, we already had about, I would say, 50 friends wow. between Lacey and I that, mm-hmm. so we sent that gifts. you're praying for. Yeah, and you're, praying yeah, for and meeting yeah. with, like mm-hmm. I had started, meet, I'd shared the gospel about five or six times at that mm-hmm. point with some of those uh, friends that I'd made. We sent a myriad of gifts um, mm. back to the UK, uh, back to our friends for Christmas because yeah. we were away during Christmas. We yeah, sent them yeah. pictures of our Thanksgiving meal that right. they don't have. A, I mean... And so we wanted to get back and get going yeah. as soon as possible and sure. got open. So you weren't just trying course. to hang out for no. you know, however long you had to be. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons we booked the, you know, we booked the tickets yeah. that we booked, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it was it was constantly pressing us, moving sure. us a lot, you know, remembering, you know, uh, to pray, to, you know, mm-hmm. all of those types of things. And we did we did nothing. God did everything. Yeah, amen. And the same story goes for how we found a place to live. Like, mm. we had about a week left before we were homeless. Three-month Airbnb, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. And then and finally so, found a place. Yeah. Because uh, there was a housing crisis, so it's not yeah. like there were just a hundred options. Right. You, you couldn't yeah. just walk around with a realtor and look for your favorite. No. Yeah. And we're international, too. So dealing with international is a little bit different than just, mm. okay. And they were getting bit, they, they were getting offers, um, you know, rent agreements for... 100, you know, 200, couple extra uh, quid. Right, you know, everything's month. above what right. they're asking prices. And so yeah. if, it, if it's just like a, a domestic person, why would I bother with the international guy? Who doesn't even have a yeah, visa at this point. doesn't have a visa. So, <laughs> and wow. God, God worked and God moved. He gave us literally, like, I step out my front door onto the Ormo Road. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of different plans uh, for the future. I'll, I just met, we, we found a building uh, that we're trying to, to purchase, wow. uh, to hold wow. services in. It's about a... 15 minute walk from my front door, oh, which cool. is incredible when yeah. you, so you're doing you ministry in your neighborhood, stores. Yeah, which is cool. We have another opportunity for, um, you know, to meet people. We're trying to start a business and things like mm-hmm. that to meet more people, a coffee shop. And you've got, you've got some, uh, got some guys yeah, coming to, cause guys, you went, yeah. you went alone, but with plans for yes. more people to join you in yeah. the future. Yeah, so you've so. got some people, uh, when July, July oh, of this year, goodness, yeah. it's it's May. Yeah. It, so at the recording of this, I don't know when it'll air. At the recording of this, it's end of May. Yeah. So yeah, it, depending on when this airs, they could already be right. there. So Very about a month from now, we're hoping uh, we're working through their visas right now sure, behind sure. the scenes, and about a month from now, we're hoping that they'll be there, and they're mm-hmm. they're coming to help start. They're gonna do ministry the exact same way we do it mm-hmm. through what we call the, our phalanx evangelistic evangelistic system, and then mm-hmm. um, you know we're gonna they're gonna help me start the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be hopefully pastoring the church, um, mm-hmm. that we're able to, to get going and, uh, just to meet more people. It's not a business to make money, but it's right, a business right. to meet more people to, to it, it serves more several to yeah. functions. Yeah. You got allowing you guys to be there yes. and then, uh, and yeah. then meeting people, of course. Yeah. To provide visas That's for awesome. us. Uh, hopefully. Now what some of you guys probably don't know, I mean, I didn't know this before I became a missionary. The things I wondered, like, how do you, how do you get a visa? What do you do? Every country is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when I came to Hungary, um, we up- applied for what they call an other visa, which, you know, uh, you know, it's a general term that, you know, included missionary work. And I just needed to have an official invitation. And the way we came originally, actually, we found out it, it's, it was 
if it wasn't God, it was lucky. So it was God that we yeah. got here. And then I had to find a different way to re-up my residence permit to make it easier the next time. Um, but like, so, so Eric needed a job. He needed work. So every missionary finds the way, whatever way, mm-hmm. to to get there. And so I, I have people, have visitors, teams, or just people online asking you, so, so what does a missionary do all day? And it's a valid question. You're just curious. You don't yeah. know. And I always tell people, man, half of the job, not 50% of your time, but half of the job of a missionary, especially in the beginning stages, is staying on the field, getting to the field and then staying on the field. And so Eric's first year was how do I get here and how do we stay here? And it's taken about a year to fully flesh that out. And now, and now you guys can finally work on plans for the future. But like that is such a, it's a, it's a hard part of the ministry and it's a lot of trust in God, a lot of sacrifice because I'll be honest. There are times where I thought in the first year on the field that like, you know, if we just stayed in the States and did ministry, I wouldn't have to deal with all this stuff. And we'd still be ministering to people. We'd still be trying to lead people to the Lord. Yeah. But that's where it stretches your faith. Because you. this is a way. I don't know about you, but for me, I was in my comfort zone. I was in the town I grew up in. Because I, I knew you moved away. Yeah. Town I grew up in, church I grew up in. Very comfortable. Loved it. I would If I would have stayed... I don't, I don't think I would have been in the flesh necessarily. But, but I would not have had my faith stretched in ways that I have had to doing this. I, there's just no possible way for me to experience my faith being stretched in America, what, in that context, in Ohio, in the way that I've had it now. And so I've grown. My faith has grown. And uh, it's not easy. It's not com- certainly not comfortable. But God, man, God grows you in, in ways. And so it's, I, I just always encourage people to try and step out yeah. in faith because as an American, as a Westerner, as just as a Christian, there are, if you've got a decent job, if you've got a good family and you've got a good church, there are probably lots of people who have never actually stepped out in faith yeah. in a way where if God doesn't catch you, it fails. Right. Maybe they have, but for me, there was very few instances I could point to. Yeah. How many piles of rocks, Joshua, <laughs> uh, what chapter is that? You, you studied through it, right? Yeah. I've yeah, preached Joshua. it. I'm trying to remember what chapter. When they crossed Jordan River. Five or six, I think. Yeah, it's early on. Yeah. And then God says, okay, take the stone, set them up as a memorial so you can look back on it and tell your kids about what God has done. How many pile of stones do you have in your rearview yeah. mirror, guys? You know? Like, yeah. all right. Not going to preach. We're both preachers, and we yeah. can just start preaching. I will, I will say, like, uh, as a teenager, a carnal, wicked, nasty teenager <laughs> sure. growing up, I mentioned I did not live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. I saw tons of missionaries come through, mm-hmm. and I heard all of the crazy missionary stories, mm-hmm. and I thought in my carnal mind, like, dude, this guy's just making this up. There's no <laughs> right. way. There's no, there's way, no way this happened. Yeah. Until I, like I said, until mm-hmm. it's my family, until mm-hmm. it's my son, until it's mm-hmm. my wife, until it's us. Until it's me making the decision to step out in faith. Yeah. And the only thing, there were times, and, and again, like, this is crazy to me looking back on it now, but there were times literally the only thing that I could do was to simply trust yeah. trust God and offer it up to Him because mm-hmm. I w- you exhaust physical options. Mm-hmm. And that's where God wants you, I think. Right? And that's you're where obeying Him. You. Yeah. So it's like, okay, God, and I've prayed this prayer before, dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have too. I'm doing what you asked me to do. I know you asked me to do it. I have confirmation. I didn't jump out. I didn't get trigger happy right. and jump ahead of you. I know you asked me to do this and I'm obeying you. You have to come through. And then he does. Maybe in the last second. Yeah. Maybe not in the way you thought he was or the most comfortable way, but right. he does. And then you experience God in a way that you've never done because yeah. you obeyed him and you stepped out in faith. Yeah. It's legit. It's it's legitimate, but you... And I never thought it was up until this, up until I... 
until I did it myself, mm-hmm. up until I was able to take God at his word mm-hmm. and, uh, and and actually, you know, start stepping out in faith yeah. and, and, and doing those things. So, yeah, it's been um, it's mm-hmm. been a crazy time. But I, again, that's another thing, like looking back on it, my family has grown more mm-hmm. close. Uh, our relationship with God is better. Our relationship mm-hmm. with each other is better. My wife and I, my son, yeah. I mean, like our son is involved. When you go in through the, the fire yeah. together, it, it brings you closer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so it's been incredible. Yeah. That's cool. Now I would love to, uh, you know, we don't have a ton of time, but I, I do want to talk about this. The reason that we're in Tirana yeah. is because you came here with Pastor Jeff Bartell and uh, Pastor Joe McCaig, actually. They're, they're yeah. not here. They're, they're in, a, in a meeting with someone else at the moment. We're just at their Airbnb recording this. Um, and uh, you and Joe and Jeff were preaching at a, an annual Bible conference that they do between the different churches. And so um, I, I heard that Jeff was going to be here with you guys. And, and it's an hour flight from Budapest and pretty cheap on the yeah. budget airlines. It, I, we can talk about that later. <laughs> but man, Ryanair and Wizz Air and having these budget yeah. airlines in Europe, man, <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. awesome, man. It you is. can get some, If you get the right deal, you can, you can get a round trip ticket for 50 bucks. Yeah, that's great. Um, but so I was like, let's hop down there. I brought my disciple with me from Hungary. I wanted him to see ministry. But uh, th- there were so many things happening at this conference. It wasn't just a Bible conference because they were ordaining another Albanian brother, their second missionary, foreign missionary that they're sending out. Um, there's three churches and a fourth being planted. And, and it was officially the 30th anniversary of the mother church in Tirana being planted by Jeff as a missionary when he came in 92. And so for me, I wanted my disciple to see what does it look like 30 years later of a missionary who goes and does what God asked him to do and doesn't just do the random bullcrap missionary gigs that a lot of missionaries do. What does a faithful missionary's work look like 30 years later? If, if, if Jesus tarries 30 years, which I don't think he will, but if he does... What do we want to see happen in Budapest? So what, this was your first time in Albania, yes? Yeah, yeah first time. Awesome. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts. As a guy like me, who's yeah, in his yeah. foundational years of ministry, you, you're at, we're opposite ends of the spectrum. We're at the beginning. Jeff has been in America for 15 years now, and his ministry is still growing. And so we, you, you have a beginning ministry, and you have a matured ministry. Yeah. What was that like for you to see did it give you kind of the vision of like, okay, yeah. this is, I mean, obviously God gave you a vision for your context, but just to be able to see the model yeah. of it. Cause I also got to visit Columbia and, and see Paul Clark and his ministry who did the same thing. And that was always so encouraging for me. Right. Yeah. This was, uh, this was absolutely incredible. Right. And so, uh, first time I've been here, but I've heard from Jeff of course, for years, mm-hmm. uh, but seeing it and experiencing it is completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know I could respect Jeff anymore, but but the respect that that I have for Jeff is it grows. Uh, yeah, it, it just grows because I I I got to see all of the and pictures. He's a rock star. He's here a rock. Too. Yeah, it's I mean, funny. people watch him walk around. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. He's a superstar. every single person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so I got to see all of the pictures. I got to hear mm-hmm. a lot of the old stories because it was for, the thirty yeah, year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got pictures to, from yeah. the nineties. Nineteen ninety two. Jeff was it, it, is awesome. And, he was thirty uh, years old back then. Yeah. So he was our age. my yeah, almost exactly my age. So. And so, yeah, I mean, I saw, um, I saw the Toronto church, which is the original church. And that's where I kind of, I, I spoke there the first night mm-hmm. and then I made my way to, uh, to Doris, which was, I believe the, the second, second church. church. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and Bathora is the third Bathora. church. Yeah. So I, I loved, I loved every single second of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the men, the, the, the leaders, the pastors of the church are incredible, mm-hmm. but it was, it was great. It was great to see all of them. But I told Jeff last night, the, the two church plants, mm-hmm. um, 
were encouraging to me more than anything mm. else because I saw uh, small beginnings, right? Yes. And obviously the 30 year, you know, over the course of the 30 years, you see mm-hmm. what happens from small beginnings. And I, I think as an American, I, I kind of got, and unfortunately, we all kind of have this mindset of, of what church looks like yes. and what ministry looks like. And mm-hmm. you go and you visit these churches that, that have very little, mm-hmm. but that all they all they really have, it seems like sometimes, is a love for Jesus Christ and for mm-hmm. souls. And you could tell the church of Bathor was it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's in a small. How, how many building. people did they have? There? I know it's a conference, so maybe it doesn't yeah. reflect normal. But uh, I haven't been to that church yeah, yet. I've I only been to Doris and Tirana with the kids, and they mm-hmm. have a lot of kids, no, which awesome. is awesome. Mm-hmm. And the kids are active in the church, by the way. No, it's even cooler, God. singing songs and all this kind of stuff. A lot of kids but, in the Tirana church. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Man. I mean, there's kids everywhere. everywhere. The next generation is. I mean, they're, they're there. They're there. They're, yeah. But I would say with the kids, about thirty to thirty-five people, yeah. maybe. And so, as an American. Uh, there's small churches in America, but we grew up in churches that were fairly large, you know, over 100 people. Yeah. And uh, when you hear 30 people in your head, you're like, oh, technically, yeah, technically mm-hmm. that's a church. That's fine. But it's like in your head, you're like, but, you know, is it practically mm-hmm. any fun? But then you go experience it and you're like, this is church. Right. This is a church, man. Right. They, uh, and, and the, Especially in a country of atheists. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's crazy. You get 30 to 50 people to gather. I mean, praise God. I know. <laughs> I could not, I, I, I honestly, like, I had a expectation in my mind, which is always dangerous, but it, sure. it blew away what I was expecting to see. Mm. Uh, especially so Sunday night, everybody kind of got together in, in the Toronto church, which is a, it's a large building yeah, you know, it, for, for here, especially. Yeah. And it, that couple building, hundred chairs. Yeah. was packed. packed. They're looking to standing room only. Yeah. They're looking to, uh, to do some more expansion as much as they can there. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it's, it's incredible to see what, 30 years of sacrifice mm-hmm. and prayer and effort and study. But it's and, not the instant success right? that we want, the instant gratification it's a marathon, in America. Not a sprint, yeah. You got to start small. And it really is what I've learned from, from watching these guys is that uh, the found, well, obviously, pouring the foundation is important mm-hmm. when you're building a building. You got to do all the prep work. But like, you got to focus on quality of the relationships with people over the quantity. Yeah. Because if you start with that core and really invest in those handful of guys, that's what's going to allow 10, 15, 20, right. 30 years later for it to be this. Right. You know, the, that song, Little As Much When God Is In It, like, mm. it's like my theme song right now. Nice, I think. Nice. And, uh, you can yeah, see dude. that. Because there were times, obviously, at the beginning, and Jeff's telling me all these stories that I'm sure. Jeff felt lonely, and sure. I mean, he's got some crazy stories. Oh gosh, of, he came yeah. in the '90s, dude. There was no internet. Yeah, there was no email. Nothing. I mean, we yeah. when we get when we miss people, we just we we Zoom call I know. Them or we call them on Facebook, yeah. I, Face, you know. And I mean, like I I've learned the language. I was telling you, I've learned the language almost entirely on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and it's just you have Google Translate in your pocket all the time. Right. So it's like, man, the dudes who went before yeah. the internet. They, they get they get crowns in heaven that we, that right, we don't yeah. get, dude. Seriously. I, sometimes I struggle to call myself a missionary because I sp- the, the country speaks English. And <laughs> That's like, a strategic decision, yeah, though, too. Very, it, it, very it's strategic. not like, oh, praise God, that was an accident. Right. Like, no, no it, it's yeah. strategic. Very We're strategic. Yeah, uh, and uh, I was able, yeah, very strategic. Mm-hmm. And But when I come in to places like this, when I think about, you know, the Horvaths in, in Hungary, like, and you guys you know, learning languages and, and dealing with things that we don't have to deal with. And then when I see and hear stories about Albania and, mm-hmm. and I hear Jeff talking Albanian, it's like... It's neat, isn't it? It's so cool. And I, I can't even really probably truly fully express how I feel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, still kind of probably processing everything. But uh, seeing and meeting and experiencing it and actually, mm-hmm. you know, 
being you know seeing the body of Christ here mm-hmm. and uh, well, how it's, it's encouraging it's too because school. at the beginning everything is hard and yeah. you have you have doubt you don't doubt God I I, I always explain to people like um, I, uh, I I always go back to that story that's in Mark that um, the guy who uh, he, he's I believe it's it's not the one who his daughter dies and got in Jesus raises I believe it's the one earlier where. Um, this, the guy's son has demons and, and mm. he can't cast them the disciples can't cast him out and Jesus does. And, and so before then, you know, God says, if you believe this is possible and the guy says, and it's been my tagline, honestly, since I got here, I even wrote a song about it cause it was on my heart. Lord, I believe, I don't doubt you. I don't yeah. doubt who you are. Help my unbelief. It's, yeah. it's the, it's, it's my faith is weak. That's the problem. It's like my, I'm not doubting God, who you are, what you can do. I'm doubting me. And I'm doubting this situation, yeah. and and I you know help my unbelief, make my faith stronger, and so like getting to see this and knowing that the situation was harder than I have to deal with now, yeah. even with COVID being unique right. time in history, it's possible. Yeah, it, it gives you that hope that like okay man, just keep on keeping on, just keep plowing, keep your nose to the grindstone. Right. It is possible if right. you are faithful and and, right. and faint not. You know, yeah. don't I, be weary. I think what I saw here was the part of the song little as much when god is in it mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times i know this could this could easily happen to me right if i'm mm-hmm. not very careful and mindful of this is that we we spend a year or two years on the field and and god you know unfortunately god is not in it anymore mm-hmm. because we're trying to do things ourselves, right? Yeah. Look what I've started. Look what I've done. Look at the people that I... Or things aren't happening and you're yeah. like, well, something's got to happen. Exactly. So I just start making decisions. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if nothing's happening. There is little, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's much, but, you know, and God doesn't show up anymore because you... the newsletter yeah. or whatever, Yeah, exactly. You know? Because you've gotten in God's way. And I think mm-hmm. what we've seen here is little becoming much because... Jeff made sure that God was in it from the start, even when things got tough, right? Even when things got hard, God was always in what Jeff was doing. And and because he, he wasn't selfish. He didn't try to build it himself. He didn't try to build the ministry. He just let God work. And uh, even when things got hard and I, again, it's been, it's been awesome to hear the stories, Mm -hmm. see the ministry. And uh, it's been an encouragement. Sure. Uh, uh, After spending a year on the field, Mm -hmm. this was nothing but an encouragement mm-hmm. to me, and I, it's something I, I truly needed. So yeah, no oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm man. thankful for the time here. You know, I'm a. If you do the whole Mary Martha dichotomy, I'm more of a Martha. Uh, mm. You know, if you guys know what I'm talking about, it's like the whole you know, our, the worker who's work, 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 or the person who spends all their time at Jesus's feet. And I think I can speak for a lot of missionaries. If you're a missionary and you you have that personality, you're probably more of a Martha. You're a hard worker, and that's why you're going to the field. Like, or especially if you're going to to a field where you're the um, the first guy, yeah. and and you got to do the work. You're not maybe not joining a, a ministry that's been there for a while. You, you're probably I, I would get, maybe you're more like that too, more minded of like okay, yeah. go go go. And so we can get in our own way and in God's way when we don't see things happening. And that that couples with our Western mindset of like you know if mm-hmm. you want to see results, go get them. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in physical life, that, that's true. But like in, in God's economy, it's different. And so I, I God taught me that first year so many things yeah. of learning how to just be content with dwelling at his feet and seeking him every day yeah. and praying that he would work, but being okay when nothing was happening yet. Yeah. And there were times where I would have an idea like, oh, okay, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, there's English speakers here in Budapest. 
I'm going to get, we're all locked down, but you know what? I'm going to preach to my laptop camera and we're going to go live on Facebook and we're, and we're just going to like, you know, promote it or something and see if I can get some people to reach out. And so I didn't just do it. I pray about it. Mm -hmm. I never had peace about it. I've had several ideas like that where like got literally the answer I would get is Psalm 27, 14. Like that's been a theme verse for me on the field is wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. So every time I'd be like, Hey God, should I do this? Wait. All right. All right. But I feel like I'm not doing anything. You are doing something. You're praying. You're seeking me. You're seeking, seeking men. You're looking for, you're building relationships and you're studying the language. That's what I want you to do right now. And I want you to wait and be patient. And, and I feel like it's really easy for us kind of guys, us Martha-minded, type A personalities, mm-hmm. go, 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 to be like, all right, I'm here now. I've spent the last two, three years, deputation, prayer, whatever, to get here. We're finally here. Now let's go. And then God will be like, no, you need to wait on me. Yeah. You need to wait on me to work. I don't know. Have you felt, I know I just kind of rambled for two minutes there, no, but no. like, have you felt any of that? I definitely have. Too? And I do think, like as a missionary, especially like, you're not getting you're not getting anywhere without working hard. Of course, um, and you but, also want to justify why people are sending you money to right. be there. And it, <laughs> it'll get you a it'll get you a long way, but it might not get you the right way. You know mm. what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. what we did was uh, a lot of times we we call it we use the fishing analogy a lot. Yeah, we no, that's would, well, so we, does Jesus. We set up yeah, we set out trot lines, right? And so <laughs> okay, well, so yeah. you go even further. Yeah. I like it. Okay, when we when give we, me the terminology, bro. When we. Uh, <laughs> started looking for a visa uh-huh. we set out trot lines right so we set up we, we tried about five different things sure and where god where god tugged and where god led mm-hmm. that's where we went when it came mm-hmm. to the visa so you're not putting your, all your eggs right. in one basket yeah, no, like okay no. let's put yeah. some feelers out here and that took like that took a lot of hard work right mm-hmm. and sure. then okay so in ministry we're we're going we're going to minister where God leads us to minister, right? So we do a lot of different things. So the plan was Dublin originally. Yeah, yeah. And that door closed. Right. But you you got to be able to wait for him to start working. And don't mm-hmm. don't freak out, right? And don't Keep, quit. Yeah, don't quit. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't quit praying. Don't quit, right? And when God starts working in your proper football mm-hmm. group, guess what? I'm going mm-hmm. to spend start spending a lot more time doing is mm-hmm. focusing on those guys yeah. that I see God... And if he's not doing much over here, like, okay, what, he's, oh, he's doing something over here. Okay, spend more time doing this. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. we've seen, we've seen that as long as Mm -hmm. we, again, as long as we don't work ourselves out of, you know, God's plan, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? As long as we're letting him lead us to the right way, not the law. Okay. Like that is an important characteristic and quality, but you have to, you know, you have to balance the Martha with the Mary for sure. Yes, that, absolutely. That's what I've it's seen. not one or the other. That's it what I've seen both. to be very difficult, right? Yeah. And I think it's probably what you've, most missionaries have probably absolutely. experienced. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And you, man, you just got to be flexible. You got to be, it's, I, I love, Jeff shared this verse with me. I can't remember what verse it, it is in Proverbs, but I always remember the the actual scripture because I'd never heard it in like the context of ministry before. There's so many one-liners in Proverbs that you just hear and you, you remember your favorites. But uh, the one that says, a man deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And like you kind of think of it as a uh, uh, juxtaposition, like here's, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. And it's not really that way at all. It's man needs to devise his way yeah. and make a plan. But it's the Lord who directs your steps. Right. So make your plan, Christian sure, missionary. Sure. Make your five-year plan. Do it. But then seek the Lord every day for what step to take next. Right. And if he changes the path, change the path. Yeah. Be flexible. You got to be cool with God changing your plan. Have right? to. Yeah. Well, Multiple I mean, for times. both of us, our original plans of going to the field, because we were both going to go to the field before COVID hit. Right. And so they're com- 
completely different. Well, I mean, maybe you ended up in a completely different country, technically. Right. Yeah. And I still went to the same country, but like the plan is completely different. Sure. And what? And I want to make sure, like when, when I say be cool with God changing your plan, I don't mean just intellectually say you're cool with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to emotionally understand that, like I. I've invested a lot of time, a lot of effort, and mm-hmm. God took and threw all of, quote unquote, threw all of that away, right? <laughs> no, that's not, that's not what I mean by be cool with it. Right. I right. mean, when God moves and you didn't want him to move that way or you weren't expecting him to move that way, you move anyway mm-hmm. and you are emotionally okay with it, right? Like, yeah. spirit, like you understand what God's doing and not just you, male you know, missionary, mm-hmm. like you have to make sure your wife is on like she is understanding Mm -hmm. the whole entire thing and because the family as i'm sure you've seen like families are a gigantic role um and a gigantic thing for the missionary Mm -hmm. and so when when god does not if but when god takes your plan Mm -hmm. you know and he does kind of you know throw it in the air according Mm -hmm. to according to your to your mind and reasoning you have to be ready for that to happen you have to expect it to happen Mm -hmm. um because god wants to work Mm-hmm. And he he wants, you know, he wants you to get out of his way and let yeah. him do that. So, and I think it, we'll wrap it up here in a second. But I, I think that's the difference between the twenty year old who's in Bible college who wants to be a missionary. Praise God, that's a great thing. You right. know, he who uh, desires the office of a bishop desires the good work. Praise God. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of start to work out your own vision for how you want your life to turn out and where you want to go. And you go on a yeah. mission trip and you feel the tinglys about this place. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. A, a lot of missionaries We've all had that. end up going to the first country that they visited on their first mission trip. Not everyone, but a lot of them. I did. Uh, you, now nah, you, you well, went. Wildwood took its first mission trip to Dublin. Yeah, well, so there you go. I wasn't and, there. And but then Brett wanted to yeah, send somebody yeah, there. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that happens a lot. But but if it becomes your vision for your life and your adventure and how you are going to serve God, when God changes the plan, that's when it devastates you. Right. But if you're all in, going back to the Mark Trotterism, for whatever, whenever, wherever, then it's okay. It's devastating in a certain way just because you're like, oh, man, change is hard. <laughs> and changing the plan takes a lot of work, but it's not, it doesn't devastate you because you had your whole life mapped out and God changes it because God is the general in the army. You're the soldier and he just changed your orders. I think there was, there was an episode last season where I was talking to Randy Foster and he spent four or five years in Zambia. And I was like, when you had to come back to the States, was that difficult for you? And he's like, well, yeah, but not really because I'm a soldier in God's army and God changed the orders. And yeah. so I just follow him. And so if, yeah, it's, like you said, it's all about that perspective yeah, for uh, sure. of just making sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't get in your own way. Yeah. And yeah. don't get in God's way. Yeah. God wants to use you, but you can get in his way of him sure. using you, you yeah, know? Absolutely. 100%. And you, and you th- the whole while thinking that you're doing all this for the Lord and it, you're just, right. you're over here on a side quest that he didn't ask you to go right. on, man. Get back to the main quest. Right. <laughs> I don't, I, and don't. Like, don't overthink things either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so people ask what our ministry looks like in Ireland. And I'll be honest with you, it looks a lot like what we did at our church. Amen. Like, like demystify it yeah. because it's not, it doesn't have to be some, some weird, crazy, you know, mm-hmm. thing that you do that you have to sacrifice all your comforts and every yeah. single thing. Like, like I, I I hate it when people get this expectation of ministry or missions in their mind, mm-hmm. and it's only in certain countries, and it's only in in certain circumstances, only and I have ways. to I have to live a certain way, and mm-hmm. you can only do you know you can only street preach, you can only do this, mm-hmm. you can only do that. Like it's the most 
normal, natural thing for us. It didn't matter. Our zip code didn't matter, right? Yes. When yes. we were at 48182, we did the same thing that we do in BT73JB, right? Okay. Is the, that a robot or a spaceship? That's my postcode. Oh, okay. Right? So send all gifts and... Yeah, <laughs> no, like changing your postcode isn't going to change who you are. Yes. Okay. So get involved in your local church. Mm-hmm. Lead people to Christ and disciple them at your local church. And, and if God asks you to change yes. your address, yes, so be it. So be it. And don't get so hung up on the location. Mm-hmm. Don't get so hung up on the postcode or zip yeah. code or whatever. And like, it, it, it's not the where isn't as important. No, no, not at all. Because there's no. there's lost people all over the world. Exactly. Jeff always goes to Acts thirteen whenever God says, "Separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to." Right. He doesn't say a place. He doesn't say where. He reveals where later. He had a work for them to do. Right. And so the work is the important part. And if you're doing the work where you're at, he might someday. I, it's always a Jeff. It's like you were saying with Brett. You <laughs> yeah, just yeah, learn yeah. and you absorb. And yeah. I'm always you just absorbed from your pastor. Right. Jeff always says, listen, man, if you do what you're doing, all missions is, is sometimes God asks men who are serving him to change their address for the mission. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it is. I'm a pastor. Like, if you want to say, okay, you're a missionary, great. You know what I am? I'm a pastor somewhere else. Right. I was a pastor in Ohio. Now I'm a pastor in Budapest. Right. And we don't have a church yet, but that's because we're investing in individual people and we're going to. Right. We're trusting God for it. Yeah. But yeah. it's not, yeah, it's not as mystical as sometimes right. people want it to be. I think there's like a lot of maybe, maybe young men that mm-hmm. are wondering, like they've wanted to be missionaries or they, you know, I've been waiting for a while and, mm-hmm. they, and they're wondering, you know, I know I have to be sent out from a local church. When will but they my, send me? Yeah. It's my when's turn. my turn? Mm-hmm. Like the question is, has your pastor seen you do it, do anything at home? And mm. and by anything, I don't necessarily mean a bunch of like church ministry stuff. Yeah. What I mean is, have you led someone to Christ? Have you attempted evangelism? Have you been obedient in that? Have you discipled somebody? Yeah. Like, and and you know that's the thing. Like, here's the reality. I knew deep down for the longest time, like I didn't evangelize and I had no mm. no business whatsoever being on the mission field. Now, would I have said that out loud? Absolutely no, not. No, no. But there was like, okay. But you knew it in your heart yeah. of hearts. And there was like a, about a two and a half, almost three year process where I had like, that was my life. I remember and, that. Yeah, in Toledo. Like you we, were focusing on yeah. evangelism in right. where you were at. And if you can't do it at home, you can't. Can't do well, it and, and not even that, because I know we do kind of use that cliche, if you don't do it at home, God won't send you to do it somewhere else. But but just practically speaking, let me let me talk to you guys from experience. If you aren't doing anything at home other than it's good ministry, serving on sound team, whatever, yeah. worship team, great, hospitality team, awesome. But if you aren't doing the mission at home, right. sharing the gospel and making disciples, when you get to the field and you don't speak the language, or maybe you do speak the language, but the culture is completely different, yeah, yeah. COVID wrecks your plans and you're on lockdown for six months, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to do what you know to do. Yeah. And if you, if you were doing it back home... It's okay because yeah. you'll adjust on the fly. Be like, well, I know what I need to do, and so let's just find how I can do that now. Right. But if you weren't doing it back there, you won't know what to do when you yeah. get to the field, and you'll either burn out or you'll leave because yeah. it because it, it gets hard. You're exactly <laughs> right. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm. What's what's the work that what's the Lord the work? was doing? Be able to define it. Yeah, exactly. So doctrinally and practically. Exactly, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. So yeah. 
That's good stuff. Yeah, Went a little long, but that was awesome. Um, can you give people, if, if they want to learn more about you, your ministry, yeah. uh, or support you, uh, what, what's your socials, your websites, emails? Yeah, so I have uh, my email. If you want to get on our newsletter, so I send out yeah. a quarterly newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, you can email me at eric underscore seven at iCloud.com. Oh, my goodness. Eric. I know, right? So You didn't follow my deputation <laughs> helper. you got to set up a professional... Well, I- <laughs> I have a Facebook page. Okay, okay. So uh, you can follow uh, Team Belfast on Facebook. Uh, Team we, Belfast. Team Belfast. My mm-hmm. my wife takes a lot of pictures, and we'll put up pictures. They and can probably message and, you on yeah, there too. Yeah, message me yeah. on. Yeah, message me through there. Um, so yeah, those are my main. Mm-hmm. That's my newsletter. You can also you know friend me individually on Facebook. We post a lot of individual Eric Brown. Eric yeah. Brown yeah, there's a lot of Eric Browns, but yeah. Um, <laughs> sending churches Wildwood Baptist Church yes. in Lambertville, Michigan. Yep, sending churches Wildwood Baptist. Uh, Pastors want to. Get in touch to give this guy some money. Do yeah. it. Yeah, Get in touch yeah. with their pastor. Yeah, yeah. just let us know. Um, so yeah, that's that's awesome. us. Thanks, dude. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, just learning a lot of different things about you know if you're a young guy wanting to be in ministry someday, what you should do to learn and uh, be discipled by your leaders and your pastors. Um, a lot of cool things from Eric there. Um, also learning about what it's like to be a missionary on the field and the realities of heading to the field in that first those first years. Um, hope you guys learned a lot. Man, be praying for Eric and, and guys like him. Uh, definitely be praying for all your missionaries. But those guys who are, I can speak from experience in those first couple years, it's difficult. It's hard. And there's a, there's a lot of just plowing the field and praying. And so be praying for them. Be praying for Eric. Make sure you follow him on social media. Sign up for his uh, newsletter. And, um, and just be praying for him and for other missionaries like that. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you back here next week, same time, same place, on Missionary Roundtable. Until then, God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe, and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.